0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about aspiring success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. At 40 Strategy, we provide strategic planning consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Christine, basically what we do is we help companies create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Only 10% of our organizations actually successfully complete two-thirds of their strategic objectives. And, And Christine, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty crazy that that's only true. Do you agree?
1: I do. I do.
0: So so at 40 Strategy, your success is our passion. That's why organizations call calling us to help. Not only do we come up with strategy, but with proven practice to actually make sure it gets done. Harvard research shows if you focus actually on the right KPIs, you could triple the likelihood of your success. So please contact us at catch at 40strategy.com. That's like catching a ball at 40strategy.com or just go to our website, 40strategy.com. And also, I'm um, just going to do a slight little plug here on the Measure Success podcast. We're going to have a fun little marathon. Um, I'm trying our first marathon and, and if you, you would have been listening to the earlier episodes, we, I challenged John Foster to run a marathon with me. So we're scheduled <laughs> at the end of October to run our first marathon. You're going to see a bunch of social media. Cause I've been doing little videos at the end of many of my runs and they're pretty humorous of my struggle of trying to run for the first time a marathon. So I hope you enjoy all of that. So let's, let's go ahead and move forward. Um, I'm going to talk about a little shout out. I love to give a shout out to somebody and and that person's Adi Clavette. Adi actually um, recommended Christine. And so really appreciate First, Adi is the CEO for Business Success Consulting Group, where they create custom processes and tailor-made systems that businesses can thrive. You can find out about them at bizsuccesscg.com. And now we can move forward to our honored guest. Uh, Christine Miller is a goal-oriented sales executive with extensive experience in sales and marketing. She's highly motivated, customer-focused trainer and coach who excels at providing sales strategy that deliver high-performing results. Christine works with a variety of businesses in the legal nonprofit startup and finance, SaaS, and real estate industries. She specializes in sales coaching, sales training, fractional sales manager services, and building high-performance sales teams. Prior to consulting, Christine cut her teeth and had a successful career as a director of sales at a Fortune 50 company. Christine is a speaker as well. Uh, She has several different presentations, including the future of sales, which is artificial intelligence and emotional intelligence, the invisible roadblocks, which we're going to talk a lot about today, preventing sales success and utilizing LinkedIn for sales success. She's also the author of Sales Geisha, which you can find on Amazon, and is a regular guest on podcasts. Christine has a BS degree in communications from Rutgers, and a master's in uh, MBA from St. Michael's College. She resides in Essex, Essex Junction, Vermont, with her husband and two j- children. And Christine, we're going to call you Chris, because we've had multiple conversations <laughs> now. Chris, welcome to the Measure Success Show.
1: Ooh, thank you, Carl. That was a lot. So many exciting <laughs> things, right?
0: You're, Everything yeah, about
1: you, your marathon, which is exciting. Adi, uh, who introduced us, she is amazing. And it's what the world is all about right now. It's helping each other, bringing people together. So it's all good stuff. And, and I'm thrilled to be here. I love to talk about sales. So I'm I'm really psyched to be on your show today. So thank you.
0: Thank you. That is an awesome, that's one of the best responses after I've said something. So you get an A for that, and no wonder why you're in sales. Uh, (laughs) I should should bring on more salespeople on a regular basis. They're going to kill it like that. (laughs) Absolutely. So first, share a little bit more. Obviously, we gave the the preamble, but give us a little bit more detail about Miller Sales Consulting and, and what you're consistently doing on a regular basis to help your clients out.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, my primary goal in a nutshell is to help deliver sales strategy and tactics that deliver uh, high performance results for their sales teams. And I do that through sales coaching, training, and fractional sales management. And then I do speaking as well. And, and, And so what does that look like? Generally, people seek me out when they need help. They know they can do better. So it could be an organization that's not doing well. It could be an organization that that is doing okay, but they they all know uh, that we can be doing better, but they're not really sure what they need to do to take it to that next level. And then that's usually where I come in,
0: so I, that was one of the questions I was actually going to ask you is so you' I'm assuming you run into some situations where sales is just not happening. And then I'm assuming you run a So, but you also work in other situations where they are growing, but they know they can outperform. Do you actually also work with companies that are like growing like crazy and they don't know how to handle the growth of the sales, like from the sales management side?
1: Um, yes. So they are all different scenarios, but yeah, they're, they're all similar in the sense that they need help. And the funny thing is, and I've worked with you know many different industries, and you named a few at the beginning, and there's others that I worked with, and everyone sort of feels like they're unique, right? Like, oh, I don't know. If you really don't know this industry, we're different. And, and they are in what they do. But usually when it comes to sales, uh, there's something missing in the process. And And that is pretty consistent across industries. If someone doesn't know how to advance a sale, if they don't know how to close a sale, if they don't know how to do cold call outreach, it doesn't really matter the industry you're in. There are tools and tactics um, and processes that help you get better at that. And so it doesn't matter, uh, or it's all level playing field, if you're a beginner, if you're um, growing, or if you're good, because there's always something that can be better, that will help pop it to the next level. And and sometimes it's small things that really can make a huge difference. Sometimes it's many things that need to be done and we start, you know, at the three most important and then work our way through a list.
0: I appreciated how you brought up of, you don't necessarily need to know the specific industry that you're going into and you can help. We we do the same thing at 40 Strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, at the same time, a proper structure for strategy can be used anywhere we don't claim to be experts in what they know specifically so if they're looking for specific industry knowledge we can't help that out if that makes sense right. and like i'm assuming for you you can only help out so much right when it comes to the details of about their product as an example you know
1: correct yeah
0: but, but the the base level things are the same and what i found is i just have to change my language a little bit you know for to adapt To the people we're talking with so they can understand it. And so we could talk Mm -hmm. the same language for lack of a better term, but I love it how you're like, Hey, look, it doesn't matter who we're going into. The core is this is a sales execution and strategy problem, and we need to help them going in the right direction. And you've done that so many times that you could help turn the dial to help make sure they're having success. And of course, I'm assuming they love you after the result because their sales increase and hopefully profits increase as a result, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's my goal, right? That's my, that's my ultimate success. Um, But also that they feel better. They -hmm. feel more comfortable and they have a lot more confidence and confidence in sales to me is the, you know, the baseline foundation of success because it helps you in so many things. It helps you pick up the phone or to write that first email. It helps you overcome that objection. It helps you to hold the line on your price. It allows you to have a conversation without worrying about feeling salesy. So, uh, you know, as you brought up earlier, there's, there's many roadblocks to success. Some of them are more obvious that you can identify in gaps that you can see in data. And then some of them are a little more invisible that hold people back that you won't necessarily find in your CRM data um, but you have to dig a little and, and ask some questions and, and you'll see that there's pieces missing.
0: Oh man, you're talking my language. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the data side, right? What are some typical things in the data side that you see missing as a roadblock to success in, in, in a sales strategy that you see?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So there's many, there's, there's, Several steps in the sales process. So there's pre-call planning and research. <laughs> there's a lot of missing that. If you've ever been on the end of a poor outreach, like an email or a LinkedIn message, or even a cold phone call, you can tell who's done their homework, uh, who knows that they're going to bring you a solution, or there's a potential um, you know, way for you to work together. So planning before you reach out. Uh, asking the right questions. And that's called survey discovery. You know, uh, I think discovery is a hot name for it now. So digging deep because some people have those conversations. They never ask the right questions Um, actually going through and how to present. Is it a me, 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 um, you know, 30 minute or 40 page deck. that's really not a good presentation, how they handle those objections or roadblocks that pop up. do they know how to close? And I mentioned advancing the sale. And this is where a lot of people get stuck is, uh, do they know the difference between advancing or continuation? I mean, there are concrete steps that move a deal forward. That's advancing. And there's a continuation. And those are like, uh, call me in a week. Let me think about it. I'm Send me some information. Those real loose, um, uh, you know, but people get excited sometimes. Oh, they they're interested. It's not. That's sounds
0: purgatory. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I, I I have used that many times. I I um you know on LinkedIn I get I don't know how many calls and notes a day where everyone wants to meet with me tomorrow, right? You know, and, and for oh that yeah, because you got minutes. nothing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, of course, of course, my schedule is exactly open to me. Everything that you want to have. Now, what's interesting is I really do. Truly, want to meet as many people as I can. So, so I mean that in sincerity. But there's this audaciousness of somebody's calling another side, like, "Oh, don't you want to just? Don't, isn't your schedule open? Didn't you pre-plan for a sales call tomorrow? Right. You know." And it's like, "Well, wh- what are you selling, and why do I need it, and why right. am I going to spend the time right to go forward with doing it?" And it's amazing. I'm just like, well, "I just want to get to know you." It's like, I got thirteen plus thousand connections on LinkedIn alone. I can't meet everybody, right? You know, right. it's impossible unless I'm doing it ever putting everybody in a stadium. Right. And that's not going to happen. So it's, it's fascinating yeah. on this process. So, okay. We hit these different pieces, all these different stages.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Let's talk about the one that, that coffee is for closers. Right. Okay. You know, o- o- over said way too many times, um, mm-hmm. way too many times, but, but let's talk about that from a data side a little bit. So we're trying to measuring closing right? Mm-hmm. The actual, you've got a, a solid interested prospect. They actually like the product, but there's something hung up and something's not closing. So what are the key? Let's talk about the data side. What type of things are you measuring from from a data perspective that you go, hmm, what 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 are we seeing that's consistently happening that's stopping the closing process for perhaps, you know, there's some person on the sales side and they're they're unable to close it How can you tell that's
1: happening? Well, if you do collect that data, you'll see a lot of positive things in that salesperson's history, like they make a lot of appointments, they do a lot of discovery and demos, and they create a lot of proposals, but then it dies on the vine, right? And so we know there's a percentage that will not move forward, but if you see everything Going right, and this person is doing, uh, you know, get, hitting all those other numbers, and they're not closing um, comparatively to like other people on the team or in the industry. Then there's something with their closing process or in the process leading them up to closing. So maybe they're not pre qualifying their customer enough. I mean, mm. so the interesting thing about closing is that everyone thinks closing happens at the end. The closing is really starts at the very beginning of your process. And mm-hmm. I use the analogy of, um, you know, asking someone to marry you. You don't ask someone to marry you until you've gone through a whole process. You've gone on dates. You've, you've, you're pretty serious. You know, there's all of these things that happen so that when you say, will you marry me, you're pretty sure they're going to say yes, right? You don't do it expecting a no. And so with sales, though, right, how many times do we go in for the close with our fingers crossed <laughs> we don't really know but we're hoping and so you know it is a process that starts at the beginning pre-qualifying the right customers and having the right conversations and that's why all these pieces come together because if i'm not able to make a connection um, between a problem that i'm solving it becomes a want versus a need so you're saying here's a customer he's like into the product Everything seems to look good and then it doesn't close. Well, have we demonstrated that this is really something important for that customer? Have we shown an ROI on their investment that makes it really difficult for them to say no? And it'll try, I mean, you'll see if if you study the data, you'll see the, the tracking and the trending that someone will take them till the very end. And and then it won't happen. And it could be their closing technique, or it could be that they're talking to the wrong people, or they're not doing it properly throughout the process. And that's why it's not happening.
0: And so when you go into a situation like that, and let's say you have the superstar, and and um, they're doing all great from the front end metrics. Once again, the closing doesn't appear well. Will you end up diving in deep with them to figure out what's failing in those different stages?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are simple questions. Well, you know, you can look at the proposal, right? You can ask um, what problems are being solved. Um, What was the reason it didn't close, right? Did they say at the end that it was the money? Did suddenly another owner, partner, board of directors or something pop up that were involved in the decision-making process that that salesperson didn't know about because they didn't ask the right questions earlier on, right? And then that other decision maker can actually not be on board, and so that makes uh, the deal go south. Um, did we not demonstrate that really we're we're solving a problem that's really going to make life much easier for them, business better? Um, yeah. So it's it is asking a lot of questions and digging in, uh, and usually it doesn't take that much work to see where the breakdown is. It's it's usually pretty obvious. Hmm.
0: I I think that's probably encouraging, right? For for those who aren't aware, right? You know, like think things are failing, but from your expertise, you can see where along the stages it's failing, and then you can dive into that and see the progress. So you mentioned something earlier about, and I love this because I see this often too, that sometimes the invisible or most important things are not being tracked in the CRM. So give, give the audience an, a, one or two examples of something like that, where mm-hmm. it is truly the most important thing, but it's not being tracked. And mm-hmm. it's the true reason it's, it's what I'd say is a, it's a significant reason why outcomes mm-hmm. aren't positively taking place.
1: Yeah. So there are five, um, invisible roadblocks that I've identified that I think are, are critical. So one is vision, right? Where do you want to go? Two is strategy, Carl, right? Because I need to know how I'm going to get there.
0: Absolutely. Then,
1: right. Then the third is process. Then the fourth is fear. Now, fear comes, shows itself in a lot of different ways. So there's there's not a week that goes by that someone doesn't tell me they're scared of being salesy. Right. There are people mm-hmm. that are fear technology. There are people that fear change. Um, so fear is uh, the fourth one. And then the fifth one is personal accountability. Because as much as we think we're amazing sales leaders, managers, um, business owners, at, you know truly, literally, at the end of the day, the results and the outcome rest on the shoulders of the person that is supposed to be performing the work. And so all of them uh, play into uh, you know not being as successful as you'd like to be. So if you don't know where you want to go, if you don't know how you're going to get there, if you don't have a process... If you have these fears that are holding you back, and then you're not holding yourself accountable to do the work that needs to get done, it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen to the level that that you want it or the organization wants it.
0: And folks, this is why Chris and I just hit it off on day one, because if you'd be able to see on my board, for those who are watching on YouTube, <laughs> I've got seven stages of strategy, and you named five of the seven in a slightly different way. And, and it's it, you nailed it, though. I mean, it's you got to know, I love it, where you're going, how you're going to get there, are you going to follow it? I have the fear thing is one of the most not talked about areas, but so significant. In our studies, only 20% of organizations actually start their strategic initiatives on time.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, but it's sad. That's Yeah. Bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? And and but I I think it's because they don't do the the uh, upfront and they're afraid to change. You know, it's it's you've probably heard the story of Cortez and he you know, a long time ago went to in South America and that he burned the ships. He burned the ships. You know, you've heard this fa- phrase more than once in in history and the reason was because you can't go back, right? You have to be willing to dive in, take a risk, uh and that's on both sides. A salesperson has to be willing to to ask, right. Or properly, you know, make sure there's success. And then the other side of the customer is taking a risk. I think that's sometimes the most interesting, is the customer's afraid of failing on that purchase. And, nice. and boy, yeah. if we don't understand that properly and help them overcome their fears, they'll never move with you. You know, they'll, they'll never talk about it. They'll go through. And, um, that's a huge problem, um, on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So anyways, I love it i And I love that you have it there and and obviously, we're gonna be working together more because it's like yes. we're doing the same thing, but I once again, my focus is not on sales, it's more on the, the overall corporate strategy, yeah. but I love it how you have that so let's the personal accountability part, okay, so yeah. this I, I can't tell you how many times it's like, well, they're just not getting it done, you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Let's say you have somebody who is performing really well actually on three or four of those, but for whatever reason, there's personal accountability issues um, that's taking place. Could be at management, could be. Mm-hmm. How do you coach your clients when that's going wrong? And how do you create something so I, ide- uh, ideally personal accountability is going to improve, so they're going to have a more likelihood of success?
1: Yeah, and we see it. So we think personal accountability um, often with the low performers, because that's usually a part of it. But yeah, we can have high performers that lack in personal accountability as well. And in sales, that can also be uh, often be hidden by big numbers. So uh, someone might have a uh, couple of really large accounts that carries them. They do well. It makes them hit their numbers. um, And that can be buried into team numbers as well. So that manager looks good. But does that mean they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing um, to continue to grow the business? No, it doesn't. And often there are things that they're not doing. So yeah, how do we address that? So first we have to identify it and then we have to try to figure out why it's not getting done. So going back to uh, fear. So sometimes people aren't doing what they're expected to be doing because they're uncomfortable doing it. So let's say someone's supposed to make, you know, 20 outbound calls a day and this person is great in every other way, but they're just not making those outbound calls. Why aren't they making those outbound calls? Well, I don't want to seem salesy. I think it's cheesy. I don't have a good script. Um, I don't have a good lead list, right? So the personal accountability can be tied to some of these other things. So that could be tied to a fear or confidence or lack of training and support. That's why it's not getting done. And I'd love to ask I'd love to ask that question uh to leaders and business owners when they say well you know my team is supposed to be doing this and they're just not doing it and i'm always say then i ask them why you know and yep. just be quiet <laughs> why have you so, asked them why <laughs>
0: right 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 yeah yeah holy cow yeah and and i i love that high performer being masked by a few big accounts right and and they're 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 mailing it in you know for 70% of the day, right. Because they can, and, and because they look good already. And, and once again, give them credit for what they did, you know, to help get right. to it. But, but so I, I am hunter farmer, right? Okay. So mm-hmm. the, that concept, can you explain the audience what a hunter is versus a farmer and yeah. how does that impact when we're trying in different different parts of the sales, you know, whether they're out, outbound versus account management and, and, um, do you mm-hmm. ever, and, and first of all, why do you explain that? And I'm kind of curious if you end up, um, analyzing that a little bit more because you sometimes realize you have the, the, the right person, but they're in the wrong spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a hunter, someone that goes out and, you know, if you think about it, right. Kills. So a hunter in a sales, um, uh, format is they're going out to get the business they're going out to kill business and bring it back home and the farmer is the nurturer so the farmer is the one that once we have the business in house they're taking care of it they're growing it you know they're they're taking that initial investment and they're selling them other products they're upselling they're keeping them happy they're retaining them as customers and there are you know some people are blessed with the ability to do both and do it well um and there are other people who really do excel and love one side or the other and they love going out and talking to new people and they find it fun and challenging and making all those calls or reaching out to people on linkedin or uh, whatever outreach form they have and they go out and get the business um but they, they don't want to just take care of them day to day and the the farmers just love to grow and take care of the business and they sell but they sell in a different way there's already established base of business and so they can figure out other ways to bring value to them and grow that and retain it. Um, and sometimes people are in the wrong, <laughs> the wrong seat uh, because they don't know it maybe when they applied for the job or the manager didn't really know it or see it or, you know, when they were being recruited, they weren't asked the right questions um, or they didn't look at the right data from a recruitment standpoint.
0: Do you ever do assessments to figure that out, to figure out hunter versus farmer?
1: I don't use assessments, um, like formal assessments. I know what you're talking about. I've taken Mm -hmm. a lot of them. I do think there's a lot of value in them, uh, but I, I, you know, I can ask a lot of questions and get a sense of what people like to do and what they're good at. It doesn't take that much digging. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, if you want more information, those assessments are wonderful for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, good. No, thanks. I I was curious on, on that side behind it. So, um, this has been awesome. So I'm going to ask that the, there there's obviously everyone wants higher sales, right? No matter where you're at, whether you're flat to go or middle to grow more or to really 10 exit, right. And, and, and go mm-hmm. crazy, but leading indicators, which is a lot of what you talked about, the pre-call asking the right questions. And this may, may be a little bit unfair, but I'm going to ask it anyways.
1: All right, um, bring it on, Carl.
0: What is the most important success metric for any organization if they're trying to increase sales that they have to be measuring regularly?
1: New business. I'm going with new business, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. And, and I'll tell you what I see often, and everyone's not set up the same, but often there's like a goal, right? We keep talking about people making their goal. Eagle. goal. And so if you happen to have a whale of an account and you're pretty good at managing that account, you're going to make that goal. Now this really overall success, and again, it varies depending on the organization and, and there could be like multiple people doing multiple roles, um, but there's a lot to it. So there's always turnover. There's There's always customers leaving for one reason or another. So in order to stay flat, you have to get new business. That's just to stay flat. So if you want to grow, you certainly need new business, but you also need other metrics. So my recommendation to those organizations that have one number is to change their KPIs and break up that goal into different pieces, right? So we want to look at year over year sales. We want to look at upsell. Um, We want to look at um, the new business And, and then we'll look at the total number, but we want to break it up so we can really see what's happening because if we have someone that continues to lose accounts, right, that's why year over year is important too, then there's something going on there. Then they're, mm. they need help servicing that account. Uh, if we have someone that is not bringing in new business, we're going to see that account list, that book of business decline. And it might be fast, it might be slow, but we're going to see that decline. Um, and, and so that's why I say new business, just because attrition happens. There's no way around it. and More and more, I see this value put on new business. Now, that can't be the only one, uh, the only metric as well. Um, All these other pieces are important because it's silly to beat your head chasing down new business if you're not getting the most value of an existing client already. So, you have to be doing all these things and you have to retain what you have so your year over year doesn't go down. But New business is key because there there is turnover and attrition. We need to keep that funnel full. We need to keep those numbers level, not, you know, obviously growing. So that's my answer. I don't know what you think yeah. about that.
0: Uh, that's a great answer. It's a great, I think a great answer. I, I, um, I think you always have to be, once again, be on continuously creating new value. And sales at the end of the day is about um, growth, you know, developing new relationships you know, and, and, and then of course, like you said beforehand, there's many times we have a big account and we're, it could be a relatively large company and we're touching one small department, you know, one manager, yeah. right. in a, in a thousand person company. And it's like, well, yeah. you haven't even really developed or put that product further into the organization, right. Where it can add more value. And, and so assuming it it, it has that opportunity. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's, an excellent answer. So Chris, let's now go to the personal side. Okay. So I always love that you've got a lot going on. You've got a family, you've got, um, you have, you've been an author, you've been on podcasts. Of course you have to manage your clients and in all the different roles and areas that you're doing. Uh, you do a ton of teaching, how do you keep this all together? You know, what are the things that you're doing to help keep up your energy and to make sure you can personally successfully achieve the things you're, you're doing for your clients?
1: Yeah. So I'm not one of those people that gets up at like four o'clock, four 30 in the morning. I'm always a little jealous and embarrassed when people say, and then I meditate for an hour. I don't, I wish, I kind of wish I could do that, but I don't. Only if I'm getting on a plane, am I up that early in the morning when it's dark at, but I do, um, I do exercise every day. I work out for about, I don't know, 35 to 45 minutes and then, um, often go for a walk later in the day or in the evening. Uh, and for me, that is, um, just helps me in so many levels with stress, uh, with my ability to think, you know, just feeling good about myself and energy. So that's important to me. And a few years ago, I made a commitment to myself to not skip it because it can be like the easy thing to push out of your day when you're busy. So like, I don't move. I don't skip it anymore. Um, I drink about a half gallon of water a day and that's, uh, and I have like a jug that I keep on my desk and I keep filling up my mug. So when you see me with my mug, that's water, that's not coffee or anything else. Um, Oh, what, oh, I'll tell you, this is something that's interesting that I read uh, a few years ago. I read this article about this woman that gave tours to people and they went with her and she would teach them to bathe in the forest. Right? So it was kind of weird. I started reading it. And what she did was she'd take people out into the woods and have them just be surrounded by the sounds of nature. So they would essentially take in everything around them in nature. So they listen to the birds, the crunch of the leaves, the smell of the pine, all that wonderful stuff. and scientifically, it just like brings stress level down. So last year as a joke, and I have teenagers. So if you have teenagers, you know how well this must have gone over. I'm getting my entire family to spend more time outdoors. And we do anyway, I live in a beautiful state and we're, it's easy to do that. But, um, so I do that as much as I can now, which is just, uh, walk in the woods or take a walk you know, so I'm obviously not in front of my screen and just just disconnect for a little bit. And, you know, it could be on the weekends. I'm not doing this in the middle of a work day, but you know, that's one of the things, especially in this past year that has really helped me stay grounded and centered bathing in the forest.
0: (laughs) I was a little concerned for our audience and uh, where this was going to go, but thank you for clarifying what that meant.
1: (laughs) Right, right. No, everybody keeps their clothes on. You just <laughs> absorb it in other ways.
0: Yeah. And then we saw you cleaning your teenagers like this is going to get very uncomfortable. Oh God,
1: <laughs> it's going to get weird fast. Girls like, I don't know, Adi. I'm taking my I'm taking my thank you back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Anyways, thank you. I appreciate sharing the, the good. And I, you know, because here you are in Vermont. I, I know it gets cold up there. And, yes. and so you're still finding a way to get out. Right. Or or to get to a gym oh. or something like that when there's two yeah. feet of snow outside.
1: Yeah. As long as it's not bitter cold, the snow's not bad. The bitter cold sure. is. Yeah, I won't do that. But yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yep.
0: OK, so. I always like to ask our guests what what's either a past book or a current book you're reading that you just like you need to tell our guest about that they need to read.
1: Yeah. So there's a bunch. Right. And so I was like, ah, oh, what's a good book? But I'll tell you, and it keeps on theme what we were talking about today is The Go-Giver. And Mm. it's a very popular book. It's a small, short, easy read. I didn't know about it till about a year and a half ago. And I've just obsessed with it. And I've read it through a couple of times already. And it talks about the five laws of um, stratospheric success. But it's told in a Parabell story like uh, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Mm -hmm. Um, And most people can read it really quickly. So... I recommend reading that because it's all about value and serving and it's something I talk about a lot in sales. And that's how you are not salesy when you become um, uh, a subject matter expert and you're there to help your potential client or your client. You're not selling, you're helping them and it's bringing value and uh, those deep personal relationships and caring about other people. And so the go-giver represents all that. So that's why I really love it.
0: It is excellent. Um, it is. It's funny because it's been around for a little while, but it is. Uh, I same thing. I think the last eighteen months. I, I just you know went through it and loved it, and and I, the principles behind it. Once again, I highly recommend this audience. Super quick read. I agree with you, Chris. Super quick read, but it's it it focuses on what's really really important. You know, um, and and what's interesting is focus on the really really important is what ends up bringing true success. And, and so kind of going into this, there, there's hopefully the audience has been figuring out here. Um, actually, I've never said this beforehand. I'll go ahead and share it. I, I remember going to a funeral. A very successful VP of, VP of sales. Um, he, unfortunately, he died early, uh, but he had melanoma cancer. Uh, his name is Larry Stark. And his career trajectory was remarkable. Like it was, it was remarkable. And he, interestingly enough, had been in many different industries, um, had a few different career types, but for the most part, had been in sales a good part of his career. But Larry, um, when he passed and there was all these people that had filled the church to celebrate his life, not one person talked about his sales number. Not one person right. talked about how he had tripled companies. Not one person had talked about these measuring success things from the business side. What they talked about within the businesses is how they, he impacted their life. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the real thing. And so, um, hopefully, once again, for those who are listening, there's bigger things. And, and the go giver is a great example of that, is that there's things that are bigger in life and it doesn't matter. You can get, have all the money in the world and you could still be unhappy. And exactly. so learning to find, right, the measure of success is so huge. And that's why I hope, you know, people enjoy this podcast because it's bigger than just hitting your numbers. Um, and I'm a numbers guy, um, but right. you have to, you know, you, but you have to do, you have to do the right things to get towards that. So awesome. Great suggestion. Um, I love it. Love that book. Um, hey, where, where's the best place that can find you? Where are some great places, Chris, that people can reach out and find yeah. more information?
1: Um, so you can find me on my website, MillerSalesconsulting.com. And I'm happy to have conversations with people too, just to uh connect, see if it makes sense to work together, those uh free consultations. So reach out to me. You can do that very easily on my website. You can find me on LinkedIn. I also have a LinkedIn live show called Naked Sales. See my mug. Um, so you can check out some of my shows there. Carl will actually be a guest uh, soon enough. We're gonna continue talking about sales in a different manner. And uh, YouTube, I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube too that are Monday sales motivation, little sales tips that I do. You can find replays of my naked sales show there as well. So hopefully it should be pretty easy for you to find me. And I would love to have conversations.
0: And now you've talked about naked sales and being very naked in the woods. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I know, I, we keep
1: our clothes <laughs> under in that show too. We just strip down the art of selling. So, you know, that's all we do.
0: Thank you. you for clarifying it that. Thanks for clarifying that.
1: <laughs> I think sales should be fun. I think work should be fun. I think life should be fun. So, um, you know, for someone, you know, if you're really buttoned up and conservative, you might not want to hang out with me all that much, but you'd have fun if you did.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you are from.
1: <laughs> oh No, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I oh. am a transplant, but I've lived here for a very long time. I've okay, lived here good. since I graduated college, so. Uh, Yeah. You get the best of both.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So this has been Christine Miller uh, from Miller sales consulting. Chris, this has been a pleasure to having you on the show. Thank you so much for being on it. And to everybody else, we thank you to listening to the measure success podcast, wishing you the very, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the measure success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.